So PeopleGPT is an AI-powered people search engine. So essentially, you can find people for any professional need, and our main focus is recruiting. Welcome to From the Ground Up, the podcast where we delve deep into the inspiring stories of entrepreneurs and their journey to build successful startups. I'm your host, Jake Aaron Villarreal, and in each episode, I sit down with the founders to learn about their experiences, the challenges they face, the lessons they've learned, and the insights they've gained while turning their dreams into reality. Well, I'm excited to have with us today, David Heffenholtz, who is a CEO and co-founder of Juicebox, which recently released PeopleGPT. They're a YC startup based in New York City. David previously held positions at Snap, Moonfair, and NEA bringing skills in growth, private equity, and recruiting. He attended Harvard University and graduated with a BA in economics. Well, here we are. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jake. Great. So I guess uh, before we dive in here, uh, we'll talk about your company. We'll talk about uh, your, 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 your experience at Y Combinator and kind of going through the process of getting into market. But before we do that, um, talk us through how you came to America. You're originally from Germany and walk us through the path of how you ended up. Yeah, happy to. So um, I, as you mentioned, grew up in Germany. And by the way, you did a pretty good job of pronouncing my last name, which is not that easy. Um, I'm <laughs> from, from a city called Dusseldorf, um, grew up there. I actually spent two years in Boston when I was pretty small. Uh, with my parents. So I was like three years old. But because of that experience, we ended up having some family friends in the US. And so I felt like I always had a certain tie to the States, um, even though I, I didn't really remember much from when I lived here as a, as you know, a, a toddler. And so after that, I kept on having this idea of the US and, and, and this, this idea of going back there as soon as possible. And so university felt like the first time where that was really an option where you know, I had a clear path. I could go and apply to U.S. schools, um, see who accepts me, and then and then start off that journey. And so I set my sights on that um, in in I guess high school or early high school, and started off that process to to go to go to the U.S. And you got to the U.S. Um, you got into Harvard, and which is a great school. I know there's a lot of ambitious people that have gone there, come out of there, built great companies, have great careers. Was Harvard a, co- um, a college that you had in the back of your mind growing up? Did you have various options? What made you choose Harvard? Yeah, good question. So I think the, what, what stood out to go to the U.S., and, and particularly um, at that time where I was thinking about being able to leave Germany, leave Europe, um, was really about widening my horizons and, and going somewhere new and, and getting those new experiences, um, partially because of intuition at the time. Um, but a lot of that, I think a lot of that reasoning turned out to be correct. Uh, especially when thinking about starting a company, um, building a business, the U.S. market is just so much larger and, and so much more opportunity to be successful um, than I think some of the difficulties that come with with building a company in Europe. And so now as a founder, I'm really grateful I made that decision early on. Um, but back then, it was more about the the just the idea of, of coming to the U.S. And then, um, of course, Harvard with its recognition and, and kind of excellence in economics in particular, which is what I was, the, the field I was most interested in at the time really stood out as the, the best possible option for me. Got it. And when you got there and you went through school, what did you learn that was unexpected that you didn't think you were going to learn when you were at Harvard? Yeah. So 
I came in with not too many expectations, to be honest, because I didn't really know what I was getting into. I didn't know what the, the U.S. college experience would be like, um, what I was out there to, to learn. And I think a lot of the things that I learned pretty quickly were that what I had originally imagined, say, a more a more structured career path and where I kind of saw myself going going into was actually maybe not the best fit for me. And I really discovered that during a, during a gap year that I took when, when COVID really started. And so that was in spring of 2020, um, the world started going remote and I decided, decided to take a break from college because I wasn't going to do college all the way from Germany. And so that was my first foray into the tech world in particular. And I, I really realized how, how unstructured things can have a big benefit and bring a lot of new learning experiences. And so in a way, some of the biggest learnings I had during my time in college was being able to lean into things that are not as structured as college or not as preset or that where there isn't a certain path that you can follow. And so I think that was the biggest unexpected takeaway. That Being a gap year is in some ways a benefit and also a risk during COVID. I think a lot of people were forced to take gap years, not just in their school, but in their careers. And in a lot of ways, got closer with family, got to travel, got to do stuff that maybe they hadn't thought about doing in an isolated way. What did you do in that gap year? And what were you trying to achieve in that gap year? Yeah, so I was supposed to intern at, at Snap, the company behind Snapchat, um, in LA in that summer of 2020. And so I was supposed to be a part of their international expansion team, um, which really focused on, on growing the user base internationally um, and, and kind of continuing to grow the platform, primarily from a user perspective, not so much on the monetization side. And so, I that that changed pretty drastically because of, of COVID, and so it was no longer possible to do anything in person. Uh, I had difficulties with U.S. work permission at that time um, because of the gap year, and so I was able to, to continue doing the same role, but while being based in Europe and um, working with the team at Snap uh, in both LA as well as internationally. And so that ended up being a really great opportunity. I was able to to meet people on the team all across the world and, and working on a different a lot of different initiatives really helping prioritize which markets were most interesting, where could some of those growth efforts be focused, and um, where could we have the most impact. And yeah, I think during that time, the, the biggest benefit looking back was really getting to know the people on the team. Um, I'm still in touch with, with a lot of my, my managers from back then. And um, my direct manager, Annie, also wrote the first check into our into, into juice box um, when we started that. And so I think that's really where my, my focus on tech really kicked off too. That's great. I love that name, Juicebox. Where did that name come from? And when you thought of that name, were you already building what you have today? Or was it kind of an umbrella name that various products would come out of? Yeah, that's a fun question. So my co-founder, Sean, and I, we worked on something before this, which was a social music app. And you can kind of connect your Spotify, get different song recommendations. It was really a fun side project for us at the time. Um, it that's also where the name came from and so it was initially a way on jukebox and we thought juice box would be a fun way of, of playing on that word and also a good brand name um that kind of combined you know some fun with uh with in that case the, the music app um it ended up also now being continuing to be our business name because when we were ready to launch um the first version of what is now people gpt we we felt like we needed a new name but we couldn't come up with one and so we had always this default name of, of Juicebox in the back of our minds. And we said, you know what, we're just going to stick with that. And we're going to call um, this business Juicebox as well. 
instead of trying to come up with a with a new name. And so uh, that's the the origin story of the, the business name. You can go a lot of different ways with that name. I love it. You can brand all sorts <laughs> of different innovations out of it. I love I love the sound of that. Um, Ishan Gupta, your co-founder, how did you meet? It's you know I think one of the one of the things that's most important in a company is discovering your co-founder. The biggest question is where do you find them? And how did you go about finding your co-founder? Yeah, so Ishan and I met in early 2020, again, right around that time when um, the world went virtual. And I was helping organize this nonprofit challenge called the, the Crown Education Challenge. It was meant for high school students globally to be able to apply. Um, Ishan was in his senior year of high school at the time. And so he submitted an application um, with kind of a, it was like a science project in, in the field. And he ended up winning that competition. And so I got in touch with him to help organize his prizes, get him set up on the logistics side. And we started becoming friends through our, through our calls at the time. And so that led to us, you know, starting to work on different projects, including the, the music app that I mentioned. And then over the years, um, we, we got to a point where we felt, hey, you know, we work really effectively as a team. We've built apps and products that have gotten tens of thousands of users. Um, we can use this experience and our and our knowledge of how we work together to go out and build a business. And so we made that decision in earnest in the summer of last year, uh, which is also when we, we started off at Well Combinator. That's great. Now you went to Harvard, he went to Dartmouth, is that correct? Yeah, so Ishan actually never attended Dartmouth or hasn't yet. Um, he's been on indefinite leave of absence uh, to, to, for us to build our business. Wow, that's amazing. So many successful leaders you hear about either start school and don't finish because they've got a, an idea they just have to build. And it sounds like in this case, sometimes don't even start the school before they <laughs> accept it. That's amazing. Y Combinator is a great place. We So many great companies have come out of Y Combinator. What led you to Y Combinator? Did you feel like you, you, you needed to go through that experience of an accelerator? Were you directed to do it, advised to do it, or was it just something you kind of thought would be a great choice for where you were at with the beginning of the company. Yeah, so there was two main things that pulled us to Y Combinator, and I think they're also the re the, the two main reasons I, I talk about when recommending YC to, to other founders. And so those two reasons are first, the, the kind of inherent knowledge that exists within YC, particular to starting businesses at the early stage. And the second reason being the network that you're able to build of other early stage founders, um, the, the institutional knowledge that YC has. They've seen hundreds, if not thousands of companies at the earliest stages, many of which turn out to be successful and many of which didn't turn out to be successful. And so the partners have been, are, are able to really pass through a lot of knowledge um, that you know, we were keen to absorb on making sure that we're giving our business the highest chances of success. And I think that knowledge is also, you, you can also find that knowledge elsewhere, but it's a much slower and perhaps also more painful process when going out and trying to absorb that information on one's own. We were, you know, young founders and still are. And so we felt that was even more important for us to be able to absorb that information as quickly as possible and help correct course or make adjustments based on that. And then the second bit, the, the founder network. And so I think that's been kind of the most, most prevalent ongoing benefit too, is, is just getting to know other founders in our batch, even alums in, in the YC network, seeing what their journeys have been like sharing problems we're having with them, um, also sharing things that are going well and learning from each other. And so it's been a really nice community that I think has helped us be 
um, helped us in many cases, both when things were going well, as well as when things were going not so well. That's great. You know, every podcast we've done so far has been a founder at a Y Combinator. And every time we go to a new company that we really like or is innovating something, um, we ask about their past and why Combinator seems to be prevalent amongst all of them. So really, really interested to hear how that went for you. It sounds like it went really well. In that experience, when you first joined with Jukebox, did you or did you go in Juicebox? Did you go in with with the idea of building people GP? Walk us through the inspiration of the, the product you're you're now bringing to market. Yeah, so that's a that's a great question. In particular, how we were thinking about things at the time, and so we we joined YC not knowing exactly what our actual product would be. And so that sounds pretty unusual, and I think it's it's partially because it was many businesses end up pivoting during YC, um, but we kind of went in knowing that that we were still figuring out what particular direction we we're going. And so we had this overarching thesis that we believe there's there's different things in the recruiting space or in the hiring space that could be working differently than what, how they are today. And so initially we had this idea around contract work, and we had this vision that. You know, both Ishan and myself have done various forms of, of contract work in the past, typically involved us cold reaching out to firms that we were interested in and pitching ourselves to do projects for them. And we ended up having some good success with that and some, and some great opportunities. And I think the, the firms benefited from that work as well. And so we had this kind of idea in that space that, you know, what if there's different business structures that we could shape to help enable this type of contract work become more prevalent and become a, a viable alternative to, to full-time employment? And so that is the kind of general thesis or, or problem statement that we, we went in with. Um, the initial product that we built out of that and, and launched during YC, um, actually, before I go into that, uh, it was interesting because during YC, especially the, the first months as we were trying to figure out that product, was a pretty tough time for us. We were seeing all the other founders go out. They knew exactly what their product was. They were starting to launch it. They were getting initial success. And we felt like we were a bit stuck behind. We weren't exactly sure what it was going to be yet. We wanted to validate, test it, et cetera. Looking back, that was definitely a, a great learning experience as well and, and helped shape it where we are today. But at the time, it was actually pretty tough because we felt like we were behind. Um, yeah, and so and that led to what we, what we launched as the first version of what is now People GPT, which actually focused on contract work. And so we were essentially running a marketplace for contract work opportunities and so during that time, we were recruiting a ton. We were bringing on board software engineers, designers, et cetera, to join that marketplace and be able to be hired. And so that's where we got deeper and deeper into recruiting tech in particular, and ultimately what also brought about the pivot um, towards recruiting technology rather than running the marketplace. That's great. What were the, some of the tactics that you used to recruit as you were trying to build the marketplace? Because when you start a company, having a product that you bring to market is one thing. But to create a marketplace, it's really two sides. You have to recruit for both. What were some of the tactics that you started with early on that started to show good volumes and good response? Yeah, so the initial the initial approach that we used, which um, I think turned out to be one of the more successful approaches, was we started off by interviewing different, in that case, we were focused on software engineers initially, interviewing different software engineers who had done different forms of contract work in the past and really trying to identify what was good about that experience, what was not good, and what setup could have you know, changed to help it make it better. And so on the one hand, we were trying to get a feeling for what contract work looked like on other platforms. And at the same time, also trying to get a better understanding of our kind of our supply side of the marketplace. What can we offer that makes it really attractive to be on our platform? And how can we be operating as kind of the most transparent 
ideal marketplace in their view as well. And so those initial interviews of which we did quite a few, so we did like the scale of hundreds of these interviews, um, also turned out to be many of our first users. And so one of the kind of one of the focuses we had was around transparency of pricing and fees. Where does the money actually go that is charged? Um, where do the customers come from? To what degree are they vetted? And so those were particular pain points that we were able to identify and also address in our initial version of the platform, which um, was, was fortunate for us in, in leading to a lot of the initial interviewees also becoming some of the first members on the, the supply side of our marketplace. That's great. Um, for people that don't know, give us specifics of PeopleGPT. And if you're a company out there that's looking or hearing about this, what exactly will it do for them? And, you know, in the landscape of recruitment technologies that are out there, where does it fit in? Yep. So PeopleGPT is an AI-powered people search engine. So essentially, you can find people for any professional need. And our main focus is recruiting. Um, more specifically, you're able to search not only using filters or different criteria, like you might be able to set different filters on other recruiting platforms. But what we allow you to do on top of that is start asking questions about different profiles and finding profiles that fit some more nuanced searches as well. So for example, if you're searching for, say, a software engineer with experience in um, fraud detection at a fintech company, you might be able to get started going in that direction by setting some filters. You might find some companies that you, you're looking for, maybe a few players in the fintech space that you think are relevant. But then to really find individuals who have worked on fraud detection, you have to start clicking on their profiles, reading through their experience, and really getting an understanding from them. What PGPT lets you do instead is it will read all those profiles for you and then can start answering questions about them based on what you're searching for. And so in that case of looking for fraud detection engineers, it's not only able to read the past experiences that individuals have had in the space, but it's also able to infer based on the roles that they've worked in who could be a good fit for that search. And so the best way to think about it is, especially when hiring for, for hard to fill roles or roles with very specific requirements, um, People GPT helps you power up that search to truly find the right candidate. So if today you're using one of the platforms like LinkedIn Recruiter, um, is this a combination play where you're going to still use Recruiter and in addition use People GT? Is it a replacement? Is it, does it fill in some of the gaps? What's, uh, where does it fit in there? Yeah, that's a good question. So we have a few customers using it in different ways. So I'd say the, the primary use case, and particularly both with in-house recruiting teams as well as recruiting agencies, um, tend to use PeopleGPT as their discovery mechanism. So they can discover platform, uh, discover candidates on our platform. And then they may or may not use PeopleGPT's built-in outreach features or decide to reach out via LinkedIn. And so with outreach, we support email outreach on our platform. And so we'll help you get in touch via either their personal or professional email. But we also link you to their LinkedIn profiles. So we, we have some customers who prefer to reach out directly via LinkedIn email. And so they tend to use their, their LinkedIn recruiter account um, or other LinkedIn professional setup to get in touch with candidates there. Um, so it's a bit of a mix and match um, depending on, on preference and style of outreach as well. That's great. Yeah, at the, the platform itself, I, I really like it. Um, you know, uh, we we dug into it and did some searches, and you know, just got a better sense of exactly what it does and how quickly it actually generates candidates for you. Which to me is, you know, an efficiency platform as well, where you can get stuff done quicker, faster, and it's really intuitive. So, you did a great job there. Artificial intelligence has got so much buzz in the market today. Um, when you started the product build out, were you thinking of integrating with OpenAI 
like how did how did the process come about that you started talking with them or and I'm kind of fast forwarding here did you actually talk with them and what's the kind of the process look like there on the back end yeah great question so when we started building out the platform we initially focused on trying to rank candidates using our own system so we were essentially trying to run comparisons between different profiles who is actually fitting a search query more specifically um, it's a pretty difficult space. It's like really tough to, to do at scale as well. And so what we were able to do when OpenAI started launching some of their first API, um, where we were fortunate to get early access through, through Y Combinator as well, um, is we used those, those AI tools as a reasoning engine to power our comparisons. And so a lot of the structures that we had pre-built and already had in place, we could enhance or rather use OpenAI's reasoning engine on top of it to help make some of the decisions in the comparisons. And so that's where we're able to integrate the APIs most effectively and where we also really benefited from being able to, to access them early through, through YC early access program. Yeah, you talked a little bit earlier about the benefits of YC. I mean, that to me sounds like maybe the most beneficial where you got the early access and it's all about being in first position, getting to market and then being able to scale. Um, the company itself, when you first launched it, uh, how long ago was that? I know it's a relatively new product. Yeah, so we we launched a product in, well, I guess the product has gone some some iterations as well, but we started working with um, different in-house recruiting teams on, on integrating it uh, in the fall of last year. And then we launched the product publicly only in May of this year. So there's been quite a development cycle that we had from working with our, with our first customers and users to getting ready for a public launch, largely because there's kind of a lot of, on the one hand, a lot of different features on the platform, but also a lot of complexity in trying to train and fine tune the AI to really handle and work in the way that we want it to, and to, to be able to do so consistently. And so we, we now have over 20,000 users on the platform, um, and we've had very low kind of error rates or issues with, with the actual AI integrations in it. And that's you know, been part of the reason that it's taken quite a while for us to, to go public with that too. Those numbers are huge. When you, what was your expectation when you launched it? What did you think you were going to get in terms of feedback and signups? And yeah. that was, you're talking May, you're talking this month, right? So <laughs> exactly. Um, that was, that was a fun process. So we, we launched it on May, May 4th. Um, and, and when, when I say launching, all we did is we posted on LinkedIn and we posted on Twitter. Um, that was about it. We sent it to some, to some friends, wow. upvote or like it, but really not much beyond that. And so our expectations were, you know, kind of my idea of a successful launch would be a few hundred signups or you know, a few dozen leads that we can start onboarding onto the platform, integrating their teams, et cetera. Um, we ended up getting a, a lot of launch traction. And so um, particularly our LinkedIn post, which, which got a lot of visibility. Um, and so within the, first, within the first couple of weeks, we onboarded over 20,000 new users um, and have also had a lot of interest on the enterprise side. And so um, we're, we're now booked all the way through July with, with enterprise demos. Um, which has been great for us because we're getting to know a lot of new customers, a lot of new use cases, and seeing how the product can can help serve them too. Beyond posting on LinkedIn and, and Twitter, what's your strategy of getting more visibility to the product? Do you want more visibility right now, or is it, hey, let's deal with what we have and we'll get there as we go? What's your sort of thoughts around how you market the product? Yeah, so the I guess the short answer is at the moment we are we are we're pretty set in terms of visibility for the coming months and kind of our focus right now is being able to scale up our operations to, to effectively meet that demand and so um that's what we're kind of focused on at the moment 
that being said, there's a lot of things that we have um, that we're excited to, to announce in terms of new features, as well as uh, some new product variations that we'll be bringing out in the coming weeks. And so um, that'll involve our first, I guess, marketing email in the sense of we'll send an update to our, our existing users and sign up and um, see if you know, some of the new additional product features and changes also resonate with some of the things that they've been looking for. As a company, as a, as a startup, there's a lot of hats to wear and a lot of things to do. How big is the company today? Yeah, so we're a team of three. Um, it's my co-founder, and then uh, we just onboarded Jerry, who's, who's been joining our growth team. That's great. And are you decentralized remote? We're, we're largely in person. So we have a small space here that we work in, in New York. Um, and so we try to be in person as much as possible. That being said, um, Ishan's actually visiting family in India right now. Um, I'm from Germany, so I'm, I'm sure I'll be able to go back and, and visit them at some point in the future too. And so in those cases, we, we work remotely as well. Got it. So as you look at growing in the future, at some point you raise capital, funding, you want to scale. Where do you see um, the needs being within your own company? And do you see using people GPT? as your own product to find your own people. <laughs> yeah, we, we most certainly will be doing that. Um, right now, it's um, there's a lot of things that we're working on at once, hiring being one of them. Um, and so being able to, to really use our own product for that and also you know critique ourselves in terms of where we're able to use it most effectively has been a, a pretty cool process to go through as well. Yeah, great. Um, you know, it's really exciting to hear about new technologies technologies that are coming out, especially with AI and all the different areas that it seems to be, you know, adding value to. In some ways, it's a threat. Some people view it as a benefit. Uh, there's a lot of noise going on in that space. Seems like you hit the right product at the right time in terms of getting attention. Um, you know, we look at technology in our own operation as a company that helps startups scale and you know, it's all about what can we do to give our own company ourselves an edge or doing sourcing and searching and mm -hmm. interviewing candidates. So this to us looks like one of those products that can really give an edge to not just us, but a lot of other companies. What type of markets, um, in addition to working with agencies and maybe HR groups within a company, do you want to focus on uh, around discovery or other areas with, with people data? Yeah. That's a, that's a fun question as well. So it's been something that's been pretty new for us. We really built out this product focused on recruiting and um, started you know, our first customers when recruiting. And um, that's still where I'd say like 70 to 80% of our customers are, be it in-house or agency. Um, but we started getting a lot of inbound requests for a few other use cases as well. And so some of those involve expert networks. So um, you know, some of the firms that help connect you with different experts in different fields. Um, another one of those is in more in the sales space. And so particularly for, for lead generation, that's say a bit more unconventional. You're really looking for profiles that are, you know, similar to your ideal customer profile, but you might have overlooked them if you're doing more filter or hard kind of filter based searches. And then the third one that we've been getting some interest in as well, which, which I found particularly exciting is more in the, the, the research space around both academic research as well as business research. Um, trying to get a sense of, of the market for different for different personas, different profiles, and being able to dive deeper there as well. And so that's been those have been some of our new and, and growing areas. We also continue to see new use cases, and so I'm always excited when I hop on a call and, and someone has a, a new use case in mind where they're able to use our product. 
Yeah, really cool. Um, well, as the leader of this startup, is this the first startup you've had or do you have experiences in your younger years as leading a company or leading uh, initiatives where you have learned a lot that you now are bringing to, to the table with your current company? Yeah, I think one of the most um, shaping experiences I had was actually during college. So we, we had a college consulting group um, as there are at, at a good number of colleges as well. And I, I was in that group for two and a half years, um, including in, in leadership positions for, for, for over a year of that. And we were essentially selling to large corporate clients, um, like Fortune 500 businesses and more uh, consulting cases. And so that was a, a unique experience because I went from um, basically just joining college to shortly thereafter trying to, to sell like pretty large value deals um, to companies. And so that was me being thrown into sales at the first time while also managing a team, working with other people in the group. And it ended up being a really good experience of shaping what being an entrepreneur means and also what leading a team means. And so um, I learned a ton from that. And um, a lot of my friends who were also in leadership positions in the group, I've started companies since then, including two friends who are actually joining the upcoming YC summer batch as well. Great. If you're an inspiring entrepreneur who's young like you and uh, you're, you've had a lot of success already and you've got the product that I think is going to be incredible and have a lot of growth, what would you say to other entrepreneurs that might be thinking about going to YCOM, applying there, or might be willing to start their own company just going into the market? Um, what are some of the things that you think are important for them to think about and what would you share with them that you felt were helpful for you? Yeah, I think that the thing that that I, I guess the, the first bit that was that was helpful to me is the idea of if there's an opportunity or if you think there's an opportunity, always going for it. Like there's there's really zero downside to not going for something and making that decision quickly. And so we had we did the same thing with YC. We applied pretty quickly to it when we decided we wanted to do it and we went through that process pretty quickly too. In the same way, when we found that an idea wasn't working or a direction wasn't working, we're also quick to abandon that and go in a new direction. And so that's where I found this so ability to, to make decisions quickly and go after things quickly has been one of the things that, at least in my experience, I've learned to be really valuable. And I think especially in those early days of starting a company, when there's so much uncertainty, um, so many things that you know are still to be determined, still to be found out, um, it, becomes, it becomes more and more important to, to make those decisions quickly. And then the second bit is, or, or what I guess I wasn't expecting going into it, is how um, your your mental health becomes really important when you're doing this over a long period of time. And so especially when things start going crazy or when maybe things are hitting a rough patch, it becomes really difficult uh, difficult to, uh, okay, it's also okay to take a step back for a day or, you know, maybe like take a full day where you're really not looking at your emails. Um, and that can be really valuable too, not just for yourself, um, also for the for the health of the business and, and you know, the health that you as a healthy person bring to the business. And so I think that was another thing that I've been I've been able to learn and, and dive deeper into is that the importance of, of treating yourself well. And um, I think YC actually also does a great job of, of emphasizing that during its program. Yeah, we work with so many founders and some are running billion dollar companies. Um, it's 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 really cool to hear that mental health is becoming such a focal point for, for leaders and not just if you have an issue, but you know, how do you keep your energy up? How do you keep your focus on the positive stuff? What's the secret sauce to, to, to leading and inspiring 
where there's times where you're going to have ups and downs and being able to navigate that with a good mental state. Um, and it's not just about your mental state. It's also about your well-being and, you know, how you feel. Are you physically healthy? Are you getting activity? Are you moving physically outside of just sitting at a computer? And, you know, other things like meditation and getting your state of mind in a good place where you have the tools and a path that you can go back to when you're going through challenges. It's just, I wish I would have known that when I was younger. I studied psychology and I just never thought how much of that applies to business. And the stats are 80% of businesses are psychological and 20% mm. of strategy. So if that was something that people, entrepreneurs knew about earlier, I think it would be very valuable to understand where's your own psychology in the process. And it sounds like at a young age, and I'm dating myself, but you're younger than me, uh, you're understanding that it's, it's a critical part, I think, of just yourself, your health, and your leadership. So it's really good to hear that you're thinking about that. Um, where does People GPT go from here? You're in month one. So it's not like you still have to build the roadmap of you know everything that's coming. You mentioned a few things that are coming here, but what's success look like for you in the next six, 12 months? Yeah, so I think that's, that's something that we're also finding out as we're going. So there's really two parts to our business. The first one is self-serve. So our customers who join the platform um, and join our, what we call our professional plan, it's $50 a month and lets you get started right away with, with just a credit card. Um, and then the second side of our business is our enterprise side, where we work with larger businesses, including Fortune 500 companies and more, um, to help set up their internal recruiting teams with, with software stack. And that's usually a more curated process where we you know, have multiple team calls with them, um, train them, onboard them, etc. And so both of these parts are equally important to our business and are a major focus. Um, on the one hand, the self-serve plan, I think, is really important for us to make sure that we're as user-friendly as possible that we're building a product that actually is so easy to understand and so useful. Anyone without any kind of enterprise plan or choice will come to our website and use our product because it is just the best option to find who they're looking for. And so I think there are our core indicators around retention. How are we, how much are we able to keep um, our customers and continue to grow them as they, as they use the product? Are we continuing to deliver the value that they're looking for? also in month six, six and not just in month number one. And so that's, I think, one of the, the things that we're most focused on and the success in that area, of course, depending on the continued retention of our customers there as well. Then on the, on the enterprise side um, is, I think it's been, it's been a very interesting process where we're trying to balance on the one hand customization and really fitting in with, with different organizations set up with our ability to keep it kind of pure SaaS and not making too many changes to the product as well. And so I think that's kind of a, a fine line and balance that we're, that we're still learning and, and, and really finding the right fit, especially as we work with more and more customers on the enterprise side and understand, you know, what are the things that truly matter for customization and which things are more nice to have. And so I think the, the success over the next months will be having a, a very clear playbook and plan of what those different factors are and where we're able to give more flexibility and where we have to stay you no know, more stringent with, with what we're offering and the core of our platform. Um, 
yeah, I hope that wasn't too convoluted there. <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. Uh, I love what you're creating. I love the story. I know you're just beginning. Love to have a follow up with you in, you know, six, 12 months to see where things are at. But David, if people want to go to and find people at GPT, where should they go to find that? Where should they go to find you if they want to talk with you? Yep. So you can sign up directly at peoplegd.io. And then you can also reach out to me um, either on LinkedIn under David Paffenholz or by email david at juicebox.work. Um, and if you want to get set up on a free trial of the platform, just shoot me an email and I'll be quick to get. Great. Well, David, thanks so much for joining us today. I appreciate your time. And I want to give a big shout out to our listeners for taking your time to listen to us. It means the world to me that uh, you're spending your time with us and look forward to sharing our next step with, with you here shortly. And David, thanks again for your time. I appreciate it. Have a great day and the best of luck with your product. And by the way, we'll give you all the feedback you need from our site too. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jake, for having me. Okay. Have a good day. See ya. Before we wrap up, I want to give a big shout out to all the entrepreneurs that have joined to make this podcast possible. And for all the listeners for listening, it means the world to me that you chose to spend your time with us today. I'm your host, Jake Aaron Villarreal, signing off for now. We can't wait to connect with you all soon on the next episode. Take care. This show is sponsored by Match Relevant, a company that helps venture-backed startups find the best people in the market, and they do it in three simple steps. First, they sit down with founders to understand their story. Second, they tell their story into multiple candidate channels. And third, they schedule interviews within 48 hours. Find us at matchrelevant.com to learn more about how we do it.